Hello everyone, it's Wednesday, March the 13th, and welcome to Pi Cubed, the podcast about science, technology, and anything else we find interesting. I'm your host, Francesco Buziello. Joining me today, as usual, is Salma Siddiqui. Hi Salma, how are you doing? Is this like joining you as usual, does it need to be said by now, or is it... What, the, we, we talked about it last week, right, didn't we? I'm almost going to vary it. Okay, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, how's your week been? It's been alright, tiring, working on the videos, it's been uh, tired, it's very sleepy, but we're here, we're recording, it's Wednesday, and uh, another episode of the PyQ podcast. Alright, so uh, let's start with our first topic, uh, which is uh, antibacterial medication, antibiotics. Yep, let's do this. Uh, There was a first annual report from Dame Sally something. I think she's the head of the NHS, right? Yeah, so she's quite an important scientist. Yeah, she's uh, quite... I'd say she's... Uh, she knows her stuff. You, yeah. you would think so. She's the chief scientific advisor. And uh, she said that... Uh, I think I think she went, she said it just because had the titles in the newspapers uh, that uh, the antibacterial or the lack of, you know, of usefulness of them coming in the future is as dangerous to the UK as, uh, as terrorism. It is what we've been hearing for quite a few years now um, about the about the effectiveness of um, of uh, of our antibiotics if we're going to keep using them like we are at the moment. Yeah, because uh, we've been uh, warned already. Yeah, it, the last class of I think the last class of antibiotics to be discovered was discovered in the eighties, which is quite a long time now. Yeah, uh, and the fact is that mm, the more you use antibiotics. Uh, the more uh, the bacteria which have you know random genetic modifications to their RNA <laughs> so that they uh, are resistant to antibiotics those will survive and so you need stronger antibiotics well, to kill those that survive different ones yeah and the fact is that as long as you know you're using it to treat uh, you know diseases which you need antibiotics for like for example I was I had really bad pneumonia a few years ago and without it, I I would not be here doing this podcast right now without antibiotics. What exactly happened? Uh, nothing. I just one day I was I was about to take the plane, and uh, I but I woke up in the morning and I called my mother. I was like, I cannot I cannot take a, I cannot go on the plane. I feel really really bad. And then it turned out I had pneumonia, so I spent ten days in the hospital. Okay. With pneumonia. So it was, wasn't fun. So what were the antibiotics administered like by a by like a drip? Um, yeah, I had I had an IV antibiotic drip. Okay. Plus I had tablets. What kind of a- antibiotics were they? I can't remember. I think one was called erythromycin. Because uh, the fact is that the, the pneumonia I had was also uh, called atypical pneumonia, which is uh, slightly different from normal pneumonia in that it uh, it's atypical. Has <laughs> <laughs> a name. Uh, but what happened was that um, the symptoms of uh, of pneumonia is different. Because pneumonia is when you get a bacteria in your lungs, you get fluid in your lungs full of bacteria, and usually when you have the usual suspects, usual bacteria which cause the infection, you get kind of consistent symptoms. But if you get a different bacteria, which can happen, then the symptoms will be different. So they thought they thought I had the the swine flu because this was the period where the, <laughs> yeah. where the swine flu was happening, and so I remember I was I was completely out of it. Right, I was. Well, you I, weren't um, at university for quite a long time. I remember. Yeah, I was I was away for a while. And uh, I remember, w- I remember we went to the hospital and I was feeling you know, terrible. We got there in the, ni- in the middle of the night, 
And then the morning after, like I wake up in my day state, and there's this like this nurse looking after me, and she's wearing like not not like you know those uh, those crazy suits like uh, you see in the movies, but she was wearing like like a mask and like a a plastic apron and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, what, is, what what the hell is going on? And my mother got really freaked out when she came, and she and she had to wear the stuff before coming in. <laughs> it was it was it was a weird time. So, but yeah, so antibiotics. Uh, yeah. Back to the subject. Back to the subject. So, well, the the problem is that if you know, in my case, they were necessary. I think the doctors, or or, or the GPs at least, they are part of the problem here. Um, uh, I mean, from my own experience, I remember when I was a kid, um, I used to get I used to get chest infections a lot, and this would be, they would just um, automatically prescribe me antibiotics and this would happen at least twice a year and um and it got to a point where they just weren't working and what? and i'll just turn up at, at 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 the gp and they would basically look through their system and see that same same kind of symptoms and i've been given this uh, um, this kind of a- antibiotic this many times before they just used to prescribe the same thing again okay. and um and uh, it was a different. It, it wasn't. I think it was amoxicillin because I remember that I'm uh, that I'm allergic to uh, penicillin. Okay. Um, and 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 then it got to a point where when I was around fifteen or sixteen, I said, "All right, I'm gonna stop having a- an antibiotics because I was, I was, uh, was smart enough to know that that it's gonna have." Um, what that the effects of it they're gonna uh diminish as I keep taking them. Well, well and also they the antibiotics uh, they make you really. I mean, the ones I took with they made me really weak. Like, they do, yeah. Like I was sleeping sixteen hours a day. And I just yeah. could not do anything, which was a problem as it was exam period. But I still yeah. do my exams. Yes. Uh, so I found that um that after I stopped taking them, the first few times that I got an infection again. It did take me a long time to recover, okay. um, naturally, but then. But um, you're, you're alive. But I, but now I've become a lot more. Uh, yeah, since I've, I've stopped taking them, um, and and like, and like any time that I have picked it up again, I normally I would get over it after a few weeks, and um, so, so yeah. Back to what I was saying, doctors are part of the problem. I think. Well, the doctors, and I think the patients too. Uh, I've been reading a lot that you know people who um, who during the winter you, you get the common cold right, which is a viral infection. It's so not, antibiotics do not antibiotics help. Antibiotics do not work. In fact, if you take antibiotics, you probably get worse because antibiotics work on most bacteria, even the ones in your in your gut, even the ones you have naturally in your body, which are yeah. very finely tuned, balanced. You want to kind of explain our briefly what they do. In the, the the bacteria in your gut. No, no, no. And An- antibiotics. I have no idea exactly how they work, but do you, do you? Um, they kind of, from my understanding, they uh, suppress all bacteria, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So so, so they well, all the ones which are not resistant to yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so they even um so so they weaken your immune system. Your was and a- a- antibiotic. Uh, uh, sorry, was it even your antibodies? Yeah, and, and, and um, also the, in the, the bacteria, is the the bacterial flora in your in your intestine is is kind of important. If if you kill the bacteria, you, you have digestion problems. Yeah, you might have 
different kind of bacteria replacing the ones which were there which might be bad because they're not the right ones because yeah well there are good bacteria as well <laughs> well, that's, it bad? well good and bad bacteria is a bit bacteria don't you know, okay well they have like harmful and non harmful yeah, bacteria yeah fine. they actually have like a positive function in, yeah, in your body there, there are some you, you, you would not be able to digest everything you can if there weren't those bacteria sure yeah uh, and so what happens is people say oh I'm, I don't feel so well doctor give me antibiotics and then what happened in this country is that GPs just say okay whatever just take antibiotics just leave me alone just take them and you know it's it's silly because I guess people don't know the difference between viruses and bacteria which is a big, pretty big difference education I think doctors should know better than uh... I think doctors should know better and and the fact is it, it is quite worrying right because up to the discovery of penicillin uh, over 100 years ago now it's over 100 years yeah, ago I think now it was the beginning of the of the century right Alexander Fleming something. Uh, you know, before if you got pneumonia, if you if you were lucky, you survived. If you weren't, you just died. Right? Nowadays, those those deaths don't happen as much unless you're you know you're old or very very young. But a future in which no, uh, you know, antibiotics work is a, it's a pretty scary one because we're not so used to the fact that those kinds of infections just don't happen anymore. So we're gonna get super bacteria. Well, you yeah, think? we are creating them just because uh, people Co- people use like they wash their hands with antibacterial soap. You don't need that. Evolution working at the microscale, isn't it? It's, uh, well, it's, where you're killing it's off forced. all of all of the weakest bacteria. Well, you're, and you're killing off all the ones that don't have the, the uh, trait of resistance, yeah. so, or the mutations that have given them resistance. Yeah. To it, yeah. So you're just selecting the ones which will be. You already have MRSA, which is. Pretty superbug. It's a superbug. We're yeah. getting all these. Um, yeah, uh, that's another thing. Over the past few years, we've seen a big rise in the amount of superbugs that have been contracted. Uh, I mean, hospitals and um, and I think um, what was it? Uh, surgeons say that 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 one of the biggest threats after you have an operation is infection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not itself, the operation. No. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's actually getting infected afterwards, and especially in, in hospital where you know. So you get that concentration of these bacteria yeah, because you have course. sick people there. So it's quite worrying because um, even if you go in for a minor um, operation or something, you don't want to come out with a with MRSA. Yeah. That, that would be bad. I, that, I, that would not be very enjoyable. Um, but yeah, so uh, if you're listening to the, this podcast, which we know is a huge number of people, <laughs> uh, don't use antibacterials unless you have to. Antibacterial soap is a, it's a waste of time. You you don't want to kill all your bacteria on you. That's a that's not a good idea. The, the the human body has evolved to coexist with the billions and billions and trillions of bacteria, which is which are everywhere. But do wash your hands. Do wash your hands with soap, <laughs> which does work. Uh, it, unless you're you know if if you're a surgeon, yes, do please wash your hands with antibacterial soap, because you're a surgeon. You're gonna cut someone up, so of course you should. Yeah. You should use them, but uh, if you're a normal person, then uh, get informed, learn, you know. And if you are a surgeon listening out there, please let us know um, if we have been uh, misinformed anywhere. I mean, also what your experiences are. Yeah, please, please let us know. We always uh, appreciate feedback. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I think it's uh, actually, I, it's not that I don't sleep at night thinking about this, but. You know, it, it is. Uh, we always think of, of of medicine getting better and better, but this case it might be um, a case of medicine which you just cannot keep up with. 
with a man-made uh, obstacle. Could it happen in our lifetime, you think? Well, the, according to the dame, I can't remember her name. Uh, dame name, yeah. Uh, dame Sally, I can't remember. I'm going to find out and then put dame it Dame no name, that's good to know. The head of the NHS, uh, she, she had like, about 20 years, we could see that antibiotics don't work anymore. And uh, actually, I was reading before, which is um, another reason why you should always use condoms, is that gonorrhea is becoming antibiotic resistant. And you don't want to get gonorrhea, like, long term. It, it, it is now a curable disease, still, but one day it might not be. So just be safe. And... Uh, yeah, so it's, it is worrying, but let, let's 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 move on to something a bit more happy. Okay, so now we have another scientific, also technological subject to talk about, uh, which is uh, energy, and uh, more specifically, uh, a thing called methane hydrates. Uh, can you explain what they are, Salman? What are methane hydrates, and why are they important? I'm putting you on the spot here. Someone looks nervous. <laughs> uh, they're just, they're just, they're just, they're just basically molecules of methane, methane with uh, with water in them. So um, what happens is that water and uh, uh, methane at high pressure and low temperature, they form what's called. I want to have a look because I cannot remember what's it called. A clathrate, which is like a what is a clathrate? Clathrate is like methane trapped into iced water. So you have basically ice, which contains methane. And okay. if you take that out of the water, which is you know, found in depths mm. under the sea, it actually just burns. Like Water drips and the methane just burns, which is pretty cool. cool looking. When you asked me that question, I was trying to think of what the uh, chemical um, uh, our symbols for it were. The CH4. CH4 methane. something, but with the hydrates. Well, uh, well methane uh, is CH4 and there's other stuff too. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so what what we're talking about this is uh, that in Japan they started uh, taking uh, this stuff in, uh, in consideration after the the Fukushima thing, you know, the nuclear plant which had a leak a couple of years ago after the tsunami, and just today or yesterday, what news came out today, uh, that they um, they managed to to extract the methane from the ice. Which is, which is quite interesting uh, considering the amount of methane they say is is uh, potentially available yeah did they say that uh, according to this article that we have here it says that if you count all the, the reserves of uh, methane clathrate uh, altogether it, that's more than all the other fossil fuels put together so oil and natural gas which is in the gas form etc um so, which is a lot of uh, a lot of energy, uh, which you know, uh, as as countries are moving away from nuclear power, that's they're looking into alternative ways to to get the stuff, because Japan has been uh, always dependent on importing natural gas. Well, they don't have any of their own resources, um, do they? Uh, no, well, I guess they have geothermal power. They might they might have some, but probably not enough to well, run not, a whole country. Yeah, well, not. Uh, our conventional sources I know um, they have to import a lot of the oil actually all of the oil and gas is all I imported I think mm. so so yeah they, they, they because they, they're sitting next to a trench which is quite a, an, an a trough in the crust which is quite a deep part of the of the ocean they ha there's a lot of uh, of this uh, methane clathrate on the bottom of the sea and one so of the um, more interesting things that I read is that it is that 
is that because it's um, so deep in the water, um, it's uh, it's I mean, it's was it 164 times more dense than uh, conventional uh, natural gas, which like, gas- gaseous natural gas or liquid natural gas? No, um, liquid. No, no, no. Our normal, our natural gas, gas, gas. Well, but that's okay. So not twenty-four times bigger, but much, much. One hundred and sixty-four times it said. Yeah. So it means that you've got a lot more energy available in a smaller okay. uh, packet of gas because it's just been uh, our compressed them um, at such high pressures, so deep down in the ocean. There are some worries, though. Uh, uh, you know, when whenever you're messing with the the floor of the sea, is you know, bad things can happen. You can have uh, mudslides at the bottom of the sea. Well, it's happened. I mean, I mean, was it oil and gas exploration as well? Um, yeah, but 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 usually what you do is you drill through the through the seabed. In this case, you are you're removing the you know, layers of the seabed, which is a bit different. And you know, uh, obviously, it might have some impact on the on the, on the ecosystems at the bottom of the sea, which probably not. I mean, not as you know, as, uh, not that many animals down there, but I'm sure it's probably important stuff. In terms of the ecosystem, but the cool thing is that it, sh- it should be in theory it should be quite safe because uh, this gas, if there is a if there is a um, a broken uh, pipe uh, bringing the stuff out, the pressure of it will make the gas reform into this uh, clathrate, and then it will just uh, just stay there. I would dissolve back into the water, I suppose. Well, it would dissolve back to water, be eaten by uh, by bacteria. Okay. So yeah, so it. it it is. It is an. I wouldn't call it an alternative energy because usually you call alternative energies the ones which are non-fossil fuels. Uh, but it is an alternative to uh, the standard uh, resources, fossil fuel resources, because I. I don't think we will be able to have a completely alternative energy in, in any time Any future. Yeah. It, it's unlikely within our lifetimes, probably. Not with all the all the countries. Um, uh, starting to shy away from the uh, from uh, nuclear power as well. Yeah, uh, I remember uh, talking about alternative energies. There was a you know the often you ha- you get those stupid copy paste things on Facebook where everyone just shares the same statement like oh share this if blah blah blah, and there was one which was uh, we only need like a few hundred thousand uh, uh, wind uh, turbines you know the big ones uh, to solve the energy problem in, in the world, and so I was like well. That seems like kind of a lot. So I made a quick, quick calculation, and it, it's one every four kilometers, according to what the text said. <laughs> four kilometers squared, not four kilometers. Which means that, and I counted every single surface on the whole planet. Which, of course, that's not that's not possible. Uh, you cannot have that many. Uh, I mean, wind turbines. I don't know. Try to place one somewhere in the middle of the a- Atlantic Ocean. How are you going to get it? <laughs> well, I, I calculated only land, but okay, uh, not not in the ocean. Okay, well, most of uh, uh, the wind farms that are working now in the UK, they're all offshore, sure, aren't they? Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe if you put them in the sea, you could, it could work. I'm not sure. It's just that wind is not a very, it's not a particularly controllable source of energy. No. Uh, we should explain this. Is that the energy you get when you're listening to this podcast, or when you turn the TV, or you turn the kettle on, has been generated just instants before. So literally, yeah. literally, literally, instance before, like if you took, if you cut off all the power to the uh, to the national grid, it would take about two seconds for the power to run out. Yeah. So the grid does not store any energy. 
No, it, it would be silly to store energy because batteries are quite inefficient. Sure. So, and you need a lot of them. So, there's no point storing energy. Just you're producing exactly the amount you need. And so, with a with a traditional plant, like a coal power plant or a gas plant or or you know steam plant, etc. Uh, you can you can tailor those y your production to the demands of the population. So if you know it's six o'clock, people are putting the kettle on. You just you spike up your uh, yeah. energy. Well, you kick in more. However, if you only have wind, if there is a spike, you can't just go like, oh, we're just gonna blow <laughs> <laughs> onto these things. It doesn't work that way, right? Sure, you can. <laughs> so I don't think wind will ever be uh, the only source of power. You need you need more. Controllable I think it will be part of the solution. It's not the solution. Yeah, I, I, I'm not condemning wind. I think it's it's good that we are exploring uh, yeah. the alternative, but it is not. You know, you, you still need to figure out ways to use alternative alternative recyclable energy, non fossil fuels, in a way that you can control. Them. Sure. Yeah. So, it, for example, with a hydroelectric dam, it's much easier because you can control the flow of water into your power plant. But going back to why they're exploring. Uh, this stuff in Japan is because of Fukushima, right? Which was a, it was a, a nuclear power plant. It was it was quite an old one, wasn't it? It was a Gen two reactor. What what, what does that mean, someone? Gen two. Uh, um, it was it was a BWR reactor. Okay, BWR. What, what does uh, that mean? Boiling water reactor. Yeah. Okay. Um, explain it for for the layman. You know. Yeah, yeah. Some of our for listeners might know. Some of them yeah, might yeah, not. Sure. So, so, so. so You've probably heard of uh, uh, the Three Mile Island and uh, the another Chernobyl uh, accidents. Yeah, they were both um, Gen One reactors, and they are completely obsolete. and um, And they did have a few flaws in them, as you can see well, from like past evidence. Yeah, um, Gen Two reactors were a bit more safe, but um, but we should also note here that by the accident occurred um because of a uh, natural disaster well, that it, happened. It, it was quite a powerful tsunami and earthquake yeah it, it wasn't just it's like a it kind like, of i'm yeah. like a, what was it one in a million incident yeah, uh, it wasn't an inherent fault of the i mean maybe like a, a newer uh a newer one built in japan they would take that into consideration because it yeah. did happen but the chances of happening again like just to very um, unlikely I, I mean just to uh put it out there uh, the Gen Three reactors—they're all a lot more safer, and and they have a lot more uh, fail safes built into them. So, so that kind of accident would not have occurred with a Gen Three reactor. Yeah, they have, uh, you know, they're always simulating scenarios of what can go wrong. Yeah, and we should explain. Like, uh, you, you said the boiling water reactor, and those are not used anymore, right? No. Nope. Uh, so, can you explain what a boiling water reactor is for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Well, um, uh, oh, without going too deep into yeah, the whole just, physics just of it, it's it's basically uh, you're boiling uh, other water inside of a reactor from the heat that is uh, created from the nuclear fission reaction. So, so you, you have and and then you're using the highly um, so, sorry. Oh, well, then you are using the steam to then um, uh, uh, to then heat generate up. power. Yeah other um like another steam uh, turbine uh, next to it yeah so the you basically have a, a series of rods metal long metal rods made of usually of zirconium nowadays 
your favorite <laughs> favorite metal <laughs> uh and uh you have uh, you know uranium pellets inside and these uh, they, they do nuclear fission because of the reaction the nuclear reaction you have uh, neutrons and flying you, around and you can uh control the amount of uh fission which is occurring by how deep the rods uh, are in yeah. inside the reactor and then this reactor uh is in direct contact with the water which is then used for the steam plant so it's it's a single loop so you have really hot were the BWRs uh, on a single loop I think they were weren't they um, I think PWRs right the PWRs uh, we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna get there in oh, a well those are a double loop yeah, yeah. And, and so what happens is that the water boils off it's from steam and then you just have a, a standard steam turbine which you have in many other applications like in a coal plant but what happens is that then this water is radioactive so and you only have one loop so there's a bit less uh, a bit less of a fail if, if the loop fails that's it the water leaks. Uh, well, the third generation are what's called PWRs, right? Uh, pressurized water reactor. Which is different in that the water which is inside the reactor is not the water which then generates the power. No, that steam is then used in a heat exchanger to then heat well, other well, water. Well, there is no steam, is there, in the pressurized water reactor? Is there's is only there there's only steam if you have an accident, like if, if it starts boiling off. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so that so uh, the pressurized water is then used to heat up other other water, which is then becoming into yeah, steam so for you, a steam so turbine. Again, and you, have uh, a, you have a very large so uh, you've got two boiler. Loops. Yeah. So the steam turbine never sees um, any any of the water which is in contact with radioactive yep. material, and and having these two loops makes them much 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 safer. And there's never been an accident with a third gen PWR, at least not yet, but. And of, and of course, with the uh, the newer three plus gens and the fourth gens, which have been uh, 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 commissioned, they're even less likely, less likely. to occur. They, yeah. it's like um, uh, the engineering safety factors are so are so ridiculously high that there's uh, that that if like I think they said that the most extreme of um, scenarios would happen like one once in a million or like oh, was it, was it, isn't it a billion that's right sorry yeah once in a billion years uh. yeah the issue you have with a with a reactor well, what can happen which is the the accident that they're most prepared for nowadays is that uh, you ha the the water loop breaks and so you get the your fuel rods with you know really hot fuel rods with no water around them which means they start burning. Well, they start burning, which means they, they the water more bo water boils off, and you have less water, so that they cool so, less. Yeah, so and it gets even hotter. It gets even hotter, and then you have a meltdown, which is a bad thing to have because then it's going to be really hot for a you know for a really really long time. Like you would not be able to touch it in a lifetime. <laughs> you have to just concrete over it and just hope it goes away. Uh, but w nowadays, what they do is that they have so many fail safe. Like I remember. We were looking at the design of one reactor, I think it was by EDF, in which they had this huge pool of water sitting on top of the reactor, which meant that all the engineers had to do if something happened like that, it just pulled the, the pool, pulled the cord, yeah. and just the water, just be, to use your gravity, so no no power to it, would just fall into the reactor and you know, and neutralize yeah. the threat. And um, and of course with with all the uh, other fourth gen um, reactors that they that they have that um, uh, were designed they all have these kind of uh, fail safes built in out to them yeah. like like uh, the PBRs which we like so much 
which which you might like to explain oh, the the pebble bed yeah uh, unfortunately it was discontinued it was a yeah. it was a south african project south african right yeah which was already pretty cool just because you, know, you wouldn't <laughs> expect it uh, yeah and uh and it was a really cool idea yeah as well. it was an interesting idea now they all work with you know with the, we explained we explained it before with fuel rods so you have rods uh, metal rods long metal rods with uh, your nuclear fuel inside usually uranium, uranium. usually um but pebbles, they were they made these like these balls of, of I think it was uranium inside, yeah. right? And the way they were designed is that they were inherently safer than uh, than rods. Uh, and you see, you have a bed of them, the pebble, and you can control them much more easily than you would with rods. And so it was quite an interesting project. Unfortunately, they ran out of money. It's been canned, yeah. So it's been canned. But yeah, we don't want to appear though that we you know we're saying that nuclear power has no drawbacks. Because no one has still really figured out how to get rid of nuclear waste. Exactly. Right? Yeah. What do you do with that? So the, there are. The, I think they, they finished. I don't know. They were building a huge facility. In, I think it was Sweden or Norway, yeah. somewhere in Scandinavia. They like really far on the ground. They built this huge concrete inside a mountain. I think. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, it was very deep on the ground. Where in theory you can store. I think they started storing uh, barrels of uh, depleted uranium and other nuclear materials. Yeah. Uh, the fact is that we don't really know, oh, like uh, how they will this, you know, uh, this material, this reactive radioactive material, will stay active for thousands of years, right? Longer than that, isn't or it? Or millions of years. Yeah, the half life of the. Well, well, all of uh, the waste uh, products they make, there's they they unleash like like a whole number of other um, uh, radioisotopes which have like quite a mixture oh, yeah, from of half-life so you've got some which which are like several million years which means they will like probably forever be well radioactive in that case the human race won't exist anymore by the time okay let's these are still let's uh, let's keep that for another <laughs> day but uh but yeah so uh yeah so i mean even if we did put like a sign on it stay out Say if yeah, somebody comes up. Oh yeah, there, there was a there was a really interesting. Uh, I remember we did this thing in class. It was like, how do you tell people that uh, the stuff you shouldn't touch the stuff, right? What is a, a symbol that uh, another civilization in a different era will see? Of course, it can't be English because they won't yeah. speak English, probably. Like, what is a symbol which I is mean, universally I mean, understood to be internationally go away? Like on the earth and to humans, it's normally. And I guess and and to and to animals as well. It's like r- red or almost like a skull and crossbones. Skull, yeah. I guess. I guess. I guess that could work. Well, but was it animals? But there, I remember there was a panel of uh, experts that were deciding and uh, were discussing and what what symbol should we put on these things, which was quite interesting. But yeah, so, so what we think, at least what I think, is that uh, just because there have been some really some freak accidents, because there are thousands of well, hundreds, I don't know if there are thousands of nuclear power stations worldwide and they've all been working fine for a long time well how much of um, France's energy is all from nuclear power I think it's, 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 it's like up in the 70s isn't it I think yeah it's about three quarters something like yeah. that they, 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 I think you know, Italy has been nuclear power free for a long time now for 20 years oh really <laughs> but we buy a bunch of electricity from France which has been generated with nuclear because, power because they do have the excess uh, yeah because Italy has no natural yeah. resources of their own so but yeah, yeah, so yeah, well, I think it's a shame that Germany's having to can uh, or and they're going to uh, I would decommission all their stations within the next ten years just because of what happened in mean, Fukushima. Yeah, just just 
you know public opinion turned after the the, the disaster in Fukushima weak uh, politicians they, um, that's what happens when you have energy policy uh, decided by by the politicians uh, but not by scientists and engineers yeah uh, yeah that's it, terrible I mean the fact is that um, Germany will have to go back to coal probably or to oil yeah I mean um, there's a lot of things that that the scientists argue upon but I think I think they'll all agree or, I, or actually 99% would say that uh, that more carbon in the atmosphere is a bad thing yeah well the effects of it can be argued uh, another time but um, but then um uh, uh to make up for that gap in energy uh production we we only have coal and oil at the moment i mean i mean gas sorry yeah yeah so i mean what what else is i mean is germany going to do for that yeah so i think it's 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 we all, i always think of everything it's 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 wrong to decide on things with your with your gut especially in terms of scientific things you should decide rationally and so yes nuclear power is nothing is 100% safe not even nuclear power and of course we haven't figured out how to get rid of the waste so what we should do is not say oh that's let's not talk about it anymore let's just get rid of it say well, let, let's all get together spend a ton of money figuring out how to get rid of the waste and then have a, a mixed strategy of ever increasing alternative energy and some nuclear power on the well, side well it can be argued that thousand more people worldwide have suffered or have died from the effects of 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 um coal plants yeah from like from like the 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 emissions that are um uh, released and have died from was it nuclear accidents and that's and that's including uh the fallout from chernobyl yeah I, I mean in terms of you know of a properly working nuclear plant the amount of radioactivity you get from it is it's less than you get from a coal plant yeah because when you burn coal you, you get some radioactive isotopes formed so, uh, of course, you know, nu nuclear waste is obviously stronger than the stuff you get from a coal plant. Uh, so, again, we... But, like, even what happened in Japan, um, uh, the fallout from that was, like, very minimal. And, uh, yeah, uh, like, like, was it literally no one was affected from, uh, from, f from the accident? Um, but, but a lot more people died because of the tsunami. Oh, yeah, un well, was it unfortunately? But yeah, that really, really sucked. It, it, it was like, almost exactly two years ago. I think it was yesterday. It was March 11th. Yesterday, two years. Okay. Uh, two, two days ago, it was on uh, March 11th. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, you yeah. power. So if you are someone influential who's listened to this podcast, uh, do get informed on uh, on what's better for our planet. Uh, you know, obviously, if we could all have, you know, just geothermal power, like, you know, power from the, the mantle, or solar power, or wind power, or hydrothermal power, and everything would work fine, or great. Methane hydrates. Or methane, well, methane hydrates are still fossil fuels. Yeah, sure, yeah, but, um, uh, we've got, um, We've got better technologies now with all the carbon sequestration and uh, other carbon capture technologies we've got that that we can keep the carbon emissions from from uh, burning fossil fuels to a low now, can't we? So, um, so I don't know. One of the potential um, solutions would be if we could use this methane hydrate, um, we can then use the carbon that is captured from the from that and. Uh, and uh, bury it back where 
we took the methane from. So remake uh, clathrate with uh, CO2 instead of yeah. methane. Yeah, th th that, that could be an interesting idea. Uh, but yeah, so, so yeah, I think that's probably enough talk for... It's a very complex argument. It's a very complex argument subject. And, and, uh, and I mean, people can argue over this all day. When are we going to reach peak oil production? And um, some would say that we've already reached peak production. And, but but one thing is sure we're going to run out of these fossil fuels someday maybe yeah. not during our lifetime probably sometime in the next century yeah yeah and we do need answers and and a century is a very short time span to uh, to come up with these considering that we've only been using this stuff for the last but, but, but don't worry man nuclear fusion is 50 years away <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 Wasn't it 50 years away? 50 years ago. 50 years yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's a running joke about <laughs> nuclear fusion is that it's always 50 years away. So, you know, in, in 50 years' but time, hey man, it will be 50 years away. Eater. Yes, it's in France, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I used to live where the. Where, where, the, the, where the Oxford one, right? It's, it's in Cullum, which is a yeah. small village outside of Oxford. Uh, What's it called? It's called JET. Yeah. Joint European Tourists. Well, they've managed to get it operating for was it like three seconds yeah. and it our generates it, it it's too, it's too small for yeah. it to, for it to get you know to get the reaction going yeah. but it but as an experimental base yeah yeah inferior fusion is better than fission but if you think about it you are creating a sun in a, <laughs> in, in a, in a power plant okay yeah let's not go where all these uh science fiction um apocalyptic people but go yeah I mean, the, the, these are the same people that said that we're going to make a uh, black hole when you turn on CERN and uh, yeah. uh, and it's going to be the end of the world. And we're still here. <laughs> Scientists know what they're doing most of the most, time. Most of the time. But yeah, let's skip to fusion talk. Maybe next time we talk about stars, then we can talk about stars and fusion reactors. Which and are how it's 50 years thing. away. 50 years away. So yeah. So today is what? March, March 13th, 2013? Uh, in 50 years time it'll be nuclear fusion or it will still be 50 years away we'll, we'll see right that's enough science talk for, for today can never have enough science talk well for this episode uh, we can continue next week uh, but let's talk a bit about technology because that's another one of our inferior our subjects uh, and I want to talk about the Kindle uh, or ebooks in general uh, because I, I just bought a new Kindle, uh, the uh, Kindle Paperwhite. Is that the one which has uh, the touchscreen? Yeah, it has a touchscreen and a backlight. So um, you can read at night. Yeah, and it's really nice because the backlight is inside the screen, so it's it's not pointing towards your face. It's not like a, a usual screen, so it doesn't hurt your eyes when you read it, which is quite nice. And uh, I, I really like it. It's a nice nice piece of kit, uh, especially compared to my old Kindle. Uh, you, you don't have a ebook reader, do you? Uh, I personally don't. Um, I have used my uh, brother's. So uh, your brother has a our Kindle, Kindle, 3G with the with with the pad at the bottom. Okay, so this one I have right here. Yeah, same same thing. Yeah, I I I really like um, e-books. I was um, I'm still using like normal books. Uh, I was a bit uh, dubious at the beginning. I was doubtful. Because uh, you know I I've been reading paper books all my life, but two years ago I bought this because um, my sister got one and I was envious, so I bought one too. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm actually really happy with I it. I think it's a great idea to be honest. You you save a lot of um, space and uh, 
Well, as a person waste a lot less who, paper. I mean, I, I've moved country, I think, four or five times in the last couple of years. Uh, and having one of these means that I have all of my books, you know, 100 books or whatever I read in the last couple of years, maybe a bit less than 100, um, all here. So I don't have to carry, you know, 25 kilos of books around with me or throw them away, which is usually what happens because, you know, I cannot. Don't throw books away, man. Or, I will or, donate them. Or give them away, yeah, give them yeah, away. To the library. It's, well, in, in France, they don't like English books, but. Stupid French. Uh, they do actually. They, they sell them in supermarkets sometimes. So yeah, I, I'm quite enjoying this Kindle, and um, the new one is quite nice. And uh, I mean, one day we're not going to have paper books anymore, and that's the idea. I mean, data mm -hmm. in theory, if you have a, a you know uh, a stick of memory in theory, it lasts longer than a book, right? Yeah. I, I, sure. I, I don't know though, because CDs don't last very long. They they degrade quite quickly. What are the oldest CDs now? 25 years, I guess. So, are, are we still around? Some of them don't work anymore. Okay. They've degraded quite badly. That's interesting. And e too. Even hard drives, if you keep using them, they, you know, they, they obviously they get worse. There was a, uh, I remember there was a Google thing a while ago where there were the, some engineers took apart some old drives they had, you know, and the ones that they used the most were actually the ones which had degraded less. For some reason. Okay, interesting. Uh, but yeah, they degrade over time. Uh, and we we have lots of old books which are still, you know, you can still flick through them, but still not not that many, and they're very very uh, fragile. Uh, so I like Kindle. I like like well, there are other e-readers, but uh, this is the one I have. What are the other ones? Just to oh, I don't know. just to let everyone know the uh, Kobo, I think. But there's there's a Sony yeah. one, and there's uh, a few more. There's there's a there's a Barnes and Noble one. I don't know if they sell, if they sell it in the in, in the UK. I don't know to be honest. I don't think there's Barnes and Noble here in the UK, right? What about um, uh, uh, the files they read? Oh, does that mean you can only I would get them from Amazon or on the Kindle? Yes. Okay. Well, no, on the Kindle, no, no. The Kindle files you can only get you can only read them on the Kindle. But if you get uh, something in a different well, format, like EPUB or something. Okay. Like what about like normal PDF files? Yeah, you can read them. Okay. You can read them. Yes, so uh, let's transition this talk about uh, ebooks into like what books have you been reading? So what have you got on, on Kindle? Here. Yeah. What have you? What about the last couple of books you read? Let me have in? a look. Uh, right. So right now I'm reading a book, but an, an Italian book called. Uh, well, it's in Italian. I'm not gonna say it. It's by it's a it's a crime fiction, but this guy I really like called Camilleri. Uh, well, actually, they've been showing the 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 TV dramas from the books on uh, on English TV on the BBC Three. You okay. can find them on iPlayer. They're really good. I quite like them. And yeah, the last the last book I really liked, which I have on here, is uh, it's called Drugs. Guess, Drugs. Guess what it's about? Um, snails. Paperweights. No, it's, it's called Drugs Without the Hot Air, which is uh, written by a guy you might know, uh, Doctor Nutt. You remember? Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, I remember Doctor Nutt. Yeah. And he was sacked a couple of years ago by the government. Uh, mm -hmm. He was a government scientist, like he was head and he'd always be on the news. I remember. Yeah, he was head of the ACMD, which I can't remember what it stands for, but it's the advisory advisory committee on drugs. ACMD, something M. I don't know. And basically, his role and people who were in the council, which they were not paid, it was a voluntary position, was to give advice about drug policy. And he had the the nerve to say that uh, marijuana is not as bad as uh, 
you know, as a class A drug, which because the government was thinking about making a class A drug, and then they fired him because you know it's you have an advisor, but you don't actually follow his advice. <laughs> that was uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's really good. I, I'm thinking of making a video on okay, drugs on from drugs. the book, uh, which will uh, it will be a long one. So I, it's going to take me a few weeks to do, but at some point I'll have it. What about you? What have you been reading? Someone? Well, I've just started reading a book about about Simon uh, Bolivar. Simon Bolivar, the yep. South American the uh, South, yeah. revolutionary, right? That's right. Yeah, and um, it's funny because it has a it has an intro by uh, Hugh, uh, by was it? Why is the name gone? Chavez. That's it. Hugo Chavez. Who just died last Who week. just died. And I happened to buy that book one day before he died. You, you, you killed Chavez, did you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, okay. Let's keep him out of this. But um, uh, Let's not make this a politics podcast. No, no. Plenty of those. I mean, I was just, I was just interested to... In history, right? What to read about him because um, something that I had never touched on before. South American history isn't generally touched upon here in I mean Britain well, in, 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 in schools in Britain you don't touch much history of the continent in the first place like well, in Europe well so, yeah <laughs> not much apart from the wars which you won but there's like something first you have uh, the Roman Empire then there's a sort of blank period in between then you jump to Harry VIII uh, yeah all the that crusades stuff. and stuff no no we, n- no we don't touch them really nope then it goes to um the Industrial Revolution okay, so and the Victorian era, then the wars, obviously. You, you must have done something like uh, Elizabeth I, right? The beginning of the Industrial Revolution. I can't remember at school. So I don't century. think we did at school, no. Alright, so you just went to Queen Victoria straight? Um, Pretty much, yeah. Invention of the steam engine and then yeah. the Victorians. And, 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 and you know how, how how this island came to rule half the world at that time, and mm-hmm. then we like touch on the wars and like how. Wars, yeah. I mean how we nobly defended uh, uh, the French and all that stuff and yeah but yeah um, going back to subject it's um, uh, um, about um, the whole uh, South American uh, 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 the revolution um, I didn't know that it even occurred yeah, well, back has well, they named the country and the currency after him, so it must yeah. have been. He must have done something important. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's obviously been quite. Uh, I'm a I'm an influential person, like uh, I'm in history, and um, and so, and so I was just uh like like I was curious what to read more up about him because um obviously we've all heard of um like the names of um Che Guevara. Or uh, Fidel Castro, Castro and stuff, but um now now old Castro. Yeah, but um, but actually they all owe a, a lot of their their um thought and uh and ideology. Uh, yeah, I mean ideology, um thanks to him, and um and another book which I just bought as well, I haven't started yet, is called it's called Thinking Fast and Slow. Okay, what um, what is that about? It's by a it's by a Nobel Prize winner called um, Daniel Kuhnman, I think. Okay. And um, and it's about and it's about how we are fooled by our own mind. I haven't started reading it, so I can't give a, a okay, like, so honest opinion. But I mean, how we perceive um, 
uh, time our uh, when we're doing um, things. So it's cognitive psychology, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I I've read quite a bit about that. I'm quite interested. We the the video I, uh, we made last week is about that. Uh, yeah. Cognitive dissonance. And it's also about and it's also about how the uh, about how the brain can also act act irrationally at times as well, which which I was also I was studying very recently as well, but because uh, um, I was uh, reading up a lot on uh, on the game theory quite recently, but um. But that's another topic. In in the future, we'll we'll do something about that as well. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. So, uh, if any of you listeners have some book suggestions, uh, send 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 them in, and we'll have a look. All right. So now let's talk about um, again video games. Like a bit, we talked about them last week, but well, let's keep going. Well, yeah, we were talking about Sim City last week, weren't we? And, yeah. Uh, and it's and it was a release. Did we talk about Sim City last week? I we we might have mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, um, it's been a big uh, oh disaster, hasn't it? Well, it 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 depends how you look at it, because the the fact that they haven't been able to cope with the demand to, on the servers might mean that they they sold a lot more copies than they were expecting. So yeah. they, they sold the copies, so you know maybe they don't really care that much. But let's explain what's going on. But bad press. Uh, I I don't know. Well, anyway, EA did come out and they had to um. And they had to apologize and yeah, but let's explain. Explain. That. So SimCity is a video game. Yep. A, a long running, it's part of a long running video game franchise. It's been around for what twenty five years now. Something years. like that. It's it, the first one was in early nineties, wasn't it? Wasn't the first one on the NES as well? I think it was. I was don't it, know. To I be think honest, it was a SimCity on the NES. So. But anyway, for those who don't know, the game kind of has no end, and it's just. And it's just like open ended, where you sort of build up. You simulate a city. Yeah. Hence the name. Sim City. So mm. maybe probably many of you have tried The Sims. It's very popular. It's basically it's made by the, you know by the same studio, not by the same people anymore, because the people left the company. Uh, and basically, instead of controlling your Sims, you're controlling a whole city of Sims. You, know, you don't really control people. You control the buildings. You you zone parts of the city. You know, commercial zoning and etc. Et mm. But what's important here is that they use it's they use a, a different way. To combat piracy, right? Piracy on PC, it's a PC game. So PC games have a long-standing problem of piracy. Yep. Right. With with the new console, especially now that you know Xbox or PS3 connect to the internet, much less people have uh, modified consoles because you know Xbox Live checks to see if your Xbox is genuine or not. And if it's not, when you get kicked off, then then... Get off Xbox Live, and Xbox Live is a big part of uh, of the experience. Okay. Well, on PC, you know, the piracy is very rampant. So what happened is that the EA, which is publishing the game, and also produced it with Maxis, which is a studio which made the game, is now part of EA, they decided that the way to combat piracy was to have always online. Always online. So Which is which was going to be a disaster to, to start off with because so many people I was reading online, they all, as soon as this came out, they were all all saying that this could be a big mistake and what happens if I've got no internet now or um, what well, happens what, what if I've got a laggy it, connection it, if you lose your connection you cannot keep playing and you lose your save as well well if you haven't saved you're screwed because yeah. all, all the saves are saved on the servers yep. there's nothing which is you know, they say that oh because so much stuff happens online but some people have been able to go offline and keep playing the game you know with some glitches and the game runs better when it's not always streaming data back to the data center 
So basically, every time you want to play SimCity, you have to log into the EA servers and play SimCity. Uh, the fact is that the demand was so huge that most people were not able to play the game at all. Uh, so uh, they, they just saw um, a loading screen yeah, for say, hours. Can I connect? Can I try again? Can I connect? Try again? And it sucks when you buy a, um, a new, new game. game which just came out. Like, I want to buy it now because I want to play it right now, and then you can't play. It. So so was the EA have promised or or they did add extra servers uh, as soon yeah, as I think things are getting better now but what was it Amazon had to uh, take the game off off sale because they got so many negative reviews yeah, I think on the first when day when they checked which was the first or second day so it was a week, a week ago now I think it had uh, 20 positive reviews and about five, 6,000 one star reviews on Amazon <laughs> yeah uh, which of course you know, probably the people didn't play the game I'm not sure well if you can't play the game that's well, a <laughs> no, I mean, probably someone probably didn't even buy it, but um, yeah. So piracy is a big problem, and the people keep calling it this DRM, digital rights manager, but this is not DRM. It's a different thing. Uh, it's just always online, uh, and the the fact is that the pirates will win because I haven't pirated a game since I was you know twelve probably. Uh, just, I, I just now the games are you can buy them for cheap. You can rent them. There's, I don't see the need to pirate games anymore. Uh, it's been a you know, long time, uh, especially because back in the day you just have a friend coming over with the CD and you just play the game. Now you can just download them. Well, they don't want that to happen anymore, do they? Well, obviously, because they, they consider them lost sales, right? Yeah. Which I guess in part they are. But what will happen is that I give it one or two months if if the if the code is really complex to crack, but someone will crack it. Which means that all the people who don't pay for the game, you know, people who pirate the game, which I I don't agree with, uh, they will get a version of SimCity which actually works, <laughs> and the people yeah. who paid for the game will get a much worse experience because they will always have to be online to play it. While the pirates probably make an offline-only version, Cause of course, you know, if it's pirated, you're not connected to the service. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit silly, really. Yeah. And there's also been other complaints about the game that it's uh, the cities are very small. I think it's a two kilometer oh, it's square. Quite, I was limited to the to what you can build there. Yeah, and it's quite a different SimCity experience. Uh, you have you know you have regions, and then you can build multiple cities in the region, and so you basically have to specialize each city in some kind of you know garbage or police etc. Water, because otherwise your city is too small. And to me, like I, I didn't play much SimCity. I only tried it once or twice, so it wasn't really my thing. But from what I can tell, like the the cool thing about SimCity is having a huge city, right? Like it's completely insane uh, city, but you can't do that anymore. So that's another issue. What about you? What, what's your experience with SimCity? Have you played it before? Or? I have played it, but um, I haven't played any of uh, the new ones. Uh, um, uh, like within the last few years, so um, I can't really. I will comment. I I wasn't ever uh, the biggest fan of the games, but um. People but I do want to. I would try this one out. People see it, seem to really like it. Uh, it's one of those games that transcends the the boundary between gamers, quote unquote, and you know people who occasionally play games. Uh, I'm sure most people know about SimCity or yeah. The Sims. It's a much more. The Sims has been very popular. The Sims is very popular. The Sims, I think, it's more popular between people who don't play video games. Yeah. It's not really a video game. Uh, it's just you know you you can. <laughs> I, I don't want to get into that. Okay, but it, it's not my kind of game. Right. Anyway, let's. My sister likes likes it, likes that game. Yeah, that's what kind of put me off playing. So. So anyway, we always talk about space every week, don't we? 
Yeah, we do. We do always talk about space. That's they that seems to be our our thing. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting because uh, for me, astronomy is like I'm not the kind of person who will who buy a, a telescope and look at the stars for the telescope. But if you tell me about black holes or other crazy things in the universe, I'll be very interested. That's what physics is about, so it's cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah. But you want to say what you want? What do you want to talk about? Well, I mean, we've talked we, about the solar system. And I think we should have. I'm gonna make different music, like sounding like you know, fifty, sixty style science fiction movies. Okay, uh, just for uh, for astronomy corner. Just we talk about astronomy because <laughs> once once a week we always talk about it. So you know, I, I need a a theremin or like you know, oh those things where you just was it wave your hands around. Ooh, to, ooh, I just, so, just make so you end up looking like Ali G shaking his hands yeah, around. Just, just need to make some sixty uh, sounding. I need to get some old ass. 1970 since so I, I can make you know, like really old fact. Do you remember the video we had at university with the? It was a dual flow, wasn't it? It was mixed flow. It was a flow of uh, water and of gas, liquid gas and, uh, or liquid water and steam or something. It was mixed flow, and it had the coolest soundtrack ever. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I, I it was remember. like this progressive synth rock from the 70s. It was amazing. Like Van de Graaff. The video. Generator. The video was terrible because like the guy could not, was not able to you know. Uh, <laughs> To his presence was terrible. He was like, oh, he just had no presence on screen at all. He was really awkward. But the music was amazing. Engineering uh, educational uh, videos from the sixties or seventies. I have to I have to remember who the professor who showed us that video is, and I'm gonna have to email him and say I want a copy of that video because <laughs> I just want to rip off the music and just put it on YouTube. It's amazing. Was it not Marquis? Or? No, I think it was someone else. Okay. Uh, or maybe it was. I don't know. Anyway, you were saying. Anyway, yeah, well, we've talked about the solar system and we've talked about Mars, and so now let's do a, a bit about the moon. Have you heard about this? The moon? It, it's, it's made of cheese, right? Or so, th- or so they claim. Alright, so just don't forget the crackers next time we go. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, uh, there's a Google Prize um, for, for any team that can, that can um, land. Uh, a rover onto the surface of the moon, and uh, and and uh, mine it out successfully. I mean, get it back to Earth. Right. And I think it's um, a twenty million prize, and there's and it's quite a few teams worldwide. I think there are about uh, twenty teams who have entered this, and Tw- one tw- you c- twenty million is not. I mean, it's it's a lot, but it's still not that much. I mean, I'm sure the costs are much higher than that to get something onto the moon, right? Um. I would imagine so, yeah. Uh, but um, I I really don't know how it's how it's gonna work. But I think um, I I think the whole point of it is just to um, it I mean just to uh, uh promote um the whole point of a of a space ex- exploration and especially on the moon because because ap- apparently we have quite a few resources up there that, that we can use and. Um, and and it and it might be something that we uh, that we as humans might be doing in the next hundred years or so. Because because I also remember that Google was interested in mining asteroids a while ago. Yeah, they seem to be funding um um uh, well not funding but like having competitions for a lot of these space kind of things. They have, they have money. They can, they can yeah. do this kind of thing. Well, well, they had our. Uh, uh, Google Earth, so they might make Google a moon. Mo- yeah, moon. Well, it, there's, there's not much to see on the moon. So there's rocks, and yeah. rocks, but still, and, it, and it, a few footprints, and it would uh, be cool. But 
Yeah, because I think now what most teams are, most people are relying on is the new space, the SpaceX rocket. SpaceX, right? yeah. Which is, I think the SpaceX is the is but the same guy who makes Tesla cars, Elon Musk. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's quite a cool. Well, entrepreneur. like, oh, well, like, even with uh, NASA ha- having now uh, run out of funds, they're saying that they're going to have to um, collaborate with with uh, private enterprises a lot more. And uh, but, but they are they're planning to build a. Um, a launcher as well, aren't they? I think. They I are. believe so. Yeah, uh, but I think the the SpaceX one will be ready sooner. There was an article on the New Scientist talking about this. But yeah, so uh, that's cool. So uh, you want to go to the moon, Sama? I would, I would like to. Yeah, mm. if it's if it's possible. But I mean, uh, uh, it, I mean, it raises a few other questions. Like, okay, so the Americans got there first. But who has the right to to mine what part of the moon? Say hypothetically, a few hundred years from now, we've got we've got um, a European project there, and you've got the the Chinese have got half of a dark side of the moon or or something, and who decides who mines what part? Because one part might have some uh, some more. Uh, minerals. Yeah, or uh, like, but, but, but also, um, or like a precious metal up there. What's the? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they're going for like really precious metals, right? Because platinum based, I think. Because I said. mean, th- there's no point going there and you know, getting stuff you can get. Well, it has to be financially viable. Money. Yeah. So it's not like you can take back, you know, a thousand tons of the stuff. It's probably very, very, very small amount, at least for now. But yeah. So, but I mean, who works that out? Uh, like. What do you mean? I mean, like I said, who is going to mine what part of the moon? Oh yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess people have to figure it out. The UN will get involved and probably not get anything done, mm-hmm. like as usual. Like we've, um, like I know there are a few treaties on, on was it who can use what part of like, the Antarctic? But no, but, but in theory you can buy land on the moon, right? In theory, yeah. In uh, it, it's a you very can buy a small plot. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's it looks it sounds like a scam. So I'm if I've sure. got this our certificate that says that I own this this what do you call it square meter of the moon, and then you get some company comes and starts to I would dig there. Do I get rights for it? I don't know. I, don't know. Well, I guess I have to figure. How will I know they're digging I, up there? I guess the committee to. Fi- if I don't go up there and I don't see my my own uh plot of moon, yeah. how will I know? I guess some committee will have to be formed of experts and they'll take a very long time to figure this out and no one will be happy at the end. Then China yeah. will veto it and then they'll have to do it again and then, yeah. But and anyway, it's a bit early to talk about that because we still cannot mine the moon. So. Yeah. So let's I will get there first. Let's get there first. We've got there before. We've it's, got it's there. It's been a while. A long time ago. Yeah, and then we'll Unfortunately. And, um, well, what well, the Chinese are hoping to spend, what they're hoping to send a man up within the next oh, a decade or so on there. Yeah, the Chinese are really pushing for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If just one last thing, um, statistically, I, I think that st- statistic. I don't know if this is true. I don't remember the source for it, but it was on some newspaper. I think it was. It said that the the cost of the war in Iraq cost more in you know in the eight years or so. Not not more than it's ten years already. It's been ten years. Yeah. Wow. It's been ten years. Ten years. Uh, it costs more uh, than the whole of NASA cost in total. The and Iraq wars cost the US alone a few trillions. Yeah. Uh, so, so if, if we put the money into space exploration, what we, well, the US, of course, it's, it's anything. Yeah, it's I mean, pointless to do. Anything's this. better than war, but yeah. 
it's a bit pointless to say oh we could have spent this that, yeah. that but uh, I don't I don't, I don't, Education, I don't remember I don't remember if, if this was inflation adjusted and that's expenditure or not because if, if it wasn't inflation adjusted then obviously okay, then it doesn't make sense uh, but yeah so um, I think I think we're running quite late it's, uh, it's been an hour and five minutes uh, it was nice nice podcast someone we talked lots of yeah. science and thank you all for listening to the podcast and uh, remember to check out our website uh, piecube.co.uk Check out our videos, which are gaining traction. We're getting quite a few visitors. I'm quite yeah. happy. And uh, we have a new video up tomorrow, uh, Thursday. And uh, I think it will be quite a controversial one because uh, people don't like to be told that common sense is wrong. Uh, so we'll see. And thank you, Salman, for being here again, as usual, uh, every week. For real. And uh, thanks again, you guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>